Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, Tuesday edition of the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sean Carey here, and Steve will be there in the Sunbury Motor Studio, Sunbury Motors Ford Lincoln Hyundai, North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on the strip, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Lots of ways to get in contact with us. Our email is Steve Jones at WKOK.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle at Steve Jones PSU. And you can subscribe to our free podcast. We're on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Google Play. Search Steve Jones Show. Hit subscribe and we can drop the shows right to your mobile device so you can listen to them anytime, anywhere. And you always have access to three months of shows. We've got them archived on our homepage at SteveJonesShow.com. So we're with you live till 5, and then we will have our late-day news yeah. roundup a little Absolutely. later on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then you'll be cruising to Rutgers, and yeah, you'll be checking tomorrow. for Joyzy tomorrow. Absolutely. I think the hotel is next to the sewage treatment plant, <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to it. should be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. It's only Rutgers. Rutgers. The Scataway. Uh, the I know. It's interesting. <laughs> Jim Delaney. Did you see Jim Delaney's statement about uh, about uh, how things have worked in the Big Ten with expansion? He was very honest. Look, I mean, look, they botched the expansion with Penn State in 89. That's why it ended up being a 7-3 vote. Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota are the three no's, just so you know. There have been always reports about who voted no, and most of them are wrong. Uh, it was Indiana, Michigan, and Minnesota voting no. And uh, the... Um, uh, because they didn't inform everybody right away. They did it at the presidential level. As We've had John U. Bacon on the show before, and, of course, John wrote the biography uh, in conjunction with Bo Schembechler. And Bo's always told him privately, he always told him privately, he says, look, he says, I like Penn State. He says, they're a good fit, the whole deal. He says, but he said it was the way they did it and kept us out of the loop that was bothersome. And that's what they were more upset about. Not that it was Penn State. 
but they botched it. It came down to the end, and they needed the seven votes. Well, you know how they got the seventh vote? The seventh vote was Northwestern. They had to convince Northwestern, hey, look, we're going to take Penn State. We're going to go with 11 schools. We're not kicking you out. As soon as they got that assurance, then they put Penn State over the top. And on June 4th, 1990, Penn State was officially voted in. But it was a contentious four months, four and a half, five months, contentious five months. Because, I mean, I remember sitting there and watching it play out. I mean, because I mean, obviously I was here, you know, I've, I was here at the time. I've, I've been here for a long time. <laughs> but I remember how contentious it was the way it played out. You know, a lot of negative comments about Penn State. Why are they bringing them in? You know, and like the Big Ten is very rooted in tradition. I understand that. Some of it really good. I mean, in other words... Uh, I like the college football playoff, but there is no way on the planet. I, I, and again, this is the old timer in me coming out. There's no way in the planet I ever want to see the Big Ten give up its uh, alliance with the Rose Bowl. You know, I know the college football playoff. I got that. That's that's the thing you want to be in. But boy, if you can't be in that, and you get to go to the Rose Bowl, you enjoy it. You cherish it. That's the old timer in me coming out. My, you know, my brother and I would watch that Rose Bowl game on New Year's, and it was a big deal to us to watch that game. New Year's Day, two of us watching it together, loved it. I mean, the fact that I've been I've been able to to get to three Rose Bowls has been incredible. So I mean, it's, yeah, rooted in tradition, yes, and there's some of it I really back. I know you have to take a modern approach to what's going on. You know, the college football playoff, everything that goes with it. Now they learn again, it's it's amazing, like it seems like you feel like you look they learn from Penn State a lot. You know, they they should have handled it differently. Well when it came to Nebraska, Rutgers and Maryland, they did. A lot of people have been very, very upset here, and I think justifiably so with how everything was handled in 2012. Well, it's amazing. Some other things have happened down the road, and the Big Ten's taken a different approach. Now, that's made some people mad because they saw how Penn State was handled and have seen how others have been handled. But, I mean, what you know, you can't go around looking for vengeance in life all the time. If they're smart enough to learn from it, it just turned out when you're – in that spot. Donovan Smith, let's get to some positive news of the day. Donovan Smith, a three-year, $41.5 million deal with the Tampa Bay Bucks. The former Nittany Lion gets $27 million guaranteed. $27 million guaranteed. That's not bad. It's a good deal for him. He was uh, about to be an unrestricted free agent. Ends up being a good deal for Donovan. Happy for him. Three cents in the Adidas recruiting scandal. 
Let's see. Uh, the greatest sentence is nine months. Uh, those sentenced... Uh, look like this. I, I, everybody's appealing. But... Let's see. I just want to make sure... I have all the sentencing right here. Uh, they were accused of funneling money from Adidas to the families of high-profile recruits to ensure they signed with the sneaker company and certain financial planners and business managers once the players turned pro. The defendant's attorneys argued for non-custodial sentences, But that's not what they got. Yeah, the judge said he wanted to send a great big warning light in the basketball world. So, uh, Merrill Code, um, Christian Dawkins, I believe it's James Gatto, the ones that were sentenced. Gatto got nine months in a federal prison. Code got six months. Dawkins got six months. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's Kevin Hur's names in here. No. I shouldn't expect that, Sean. I didn't see it there either. No. He's no. clear. Of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be specific. Right. There are other areas we're not so sure uh, but they got that's what they got. They just seem that, that just seems like slaps on the wrist to me. Just the way the this is played well, out and we first talked about it over a year ago and this seemed like be something a little more steep and severe they would have received. Well, there's more to it though, because Code and Dawkins are going to get a second trial. And it starts April twenty second. And Code and Dawkins are accused of bribing three former assistant coaches. Um, Book Richardson from Arizona, Tony Blandy, USC, and Lamont Evans of Oklahoma State. All three of those, by the way, have reached plea agreements. So they'll be able to testify in the case. Uh, They've already notified Sean Miller of Arizona and Will Wade of LSU that they will be subpoenaed to testify in that April trial. So the sentencing today has nothing to do with that. They could end up being in another sentencing if it doesn't go well in the next trial. Chuck Person is the other assistant coach, the former NBA player, who was at Auburn. So if you, I talked about the three assistant coaches reaching their plea deals. He has not. Person and former NBA referee uh, Rashawn uh, Michelle are scheduled for trial in June. Persons accused of accepting $91,500 in bribes from a federal cooperating witness to influence Auburn players to sign with financial advisors and agents. Now, what Michelle's accused of, I don't know. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Neil Kulong on the show today. We're brought to you by Sunbury Motors.
it's really interesting when you look at the sensing in this case. Not exactly what you call a baseball bat, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, let's face it, six months in a federal prison is, you know, still six months in a federal prison, but... Wow. Um, I thought... And then, like, I don't know. I, I thought they were going to get a couple of years. How about that? I mean, I, that's what I thought. I thought they were going to get a couple of years. Yeah, like, I mean, like know, we're talking during the break, we're dealing with figure, figures and numbers, you know, five, six figures in, in trying to attempt uh, players to go here and there and now trying to recoup money back to these colleges that are upwards of six and seven figures. It's like, yeah, all right. that's that's all they get. That's, all right. that's now, pretty strange. It should be pointed out that Code and Dawkins still have a second trial. So we'll see what... You know, if there are convictions, you know, if there are, then what the sentencing is there in conjunction with the sentences they already have. We'll see. I don't know. See, Landon Collins is a free agent. You know, this has, to me, this has your team written all over it. You see, the Steelers getting a Landon Collins, huh? What do you think? Fit? I'm telling you. Smooth fit? Yeah, I, I mean, he could help your team. There's no enthusiasm in your part. No, I'm just uh, trying to soak it in. Trying soak to, it in? Trying to weigh the pluses and minuses. Okay, have you seen your secondary? Sure have. Okay, uh, there not are much no to write, not much to write home to mom about. There are not a lot of minuses. They go to the parking lot right now and get comparable talent. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for those picks to blossom, and guess what? Still waiting. Waiting for those picks to blossom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's not enough miracle grow in the world. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, you can make Miracle Grow your doggone sponsor, and there's not enough more fertilizer than Miracle Grow. Yeah, got that right. <laughs> there's plenty of unvarnished fertilizer there. Yeah, unbelievable. So it just makes you wonder where they begin with the draft board in the war room. I mean, do you start in the secondary, or do you still look for that outside pass well, rush? And they've attempted to, you know, I lock think- that up the past couple of years. Well, I think free agency will tell you where they're going to go. If they're able to uh, do a good job in free agency where they feel comfortable that they've improved themselves, because you're not going to get, oh, my goodness, they signed this guy, they're over the top. You know, that's not going to happen. But if you can get some, some players that can fit in, solve some problems, then I think it, it takes you in a direction on the draft where then you can try and hit the home runs and fix it. Uh, but right now, and then, of course, then there's the Antonio Brown deal. I'm just, you know, I don't need football. Well, for a guy that gripes about money all the time and so forth, yeah, guess what? I, I think you actually do need football. <laughs> At least you need the financial part of it. He doesn't need football. He makes no sense whatsoever. Boy, awfully critical of your guy. But the thing is, uh, what what other, 
Where is he going to find a better pairing, you know, another better quarterback than Ben in the league? I mean, who who else will? I mean, the more he puts his foot in his mouth, I mean, <laughs> what other what other team in the league will take a flyer on him? Look, let's be honest about Raiders, it. Cardinals. But but let's be honest about it. Antonio Brown is a great player who has helped make Ben Roethlisberger great. Absolutely. Okay, Ben Roethlisberger is a great player who has helped Antonio Brown become a great player. Sure did. They both helped each other. <laughs> um, when the Steelers had Mike Wallace, they had to pick a guy where they're going to invest their money. They picked Antonio Brown. <sighs> and they've given him other contracts along the way. They have been... Steelers have been pretty good to Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown, to his credit, let's always remember, Antonio Brown has always played hard. There is not a game out there where you look at Antonio Brown and you'll say, you know, I feel like he dogged it today. Nope, you can't say I You cannot say that about him. He always plays hard. Now, there are some people that, that mentally take days off, and then by the end of the month they try to cobble together some numbers and make it look good. Oh wait, that's a that's yeah, a radio true. station. True. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> oh my goodness! It's March thirtieth. I've got to do something. <laughs> I'm crunching numbers. You're crunching something. <laughs> Nathan Davis, next half hour. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. By the way, Joe Lenardi on the show on Thursday. Mike DeCorsi and Tony Knopp tomorrow. Did you hear the uh, the Mark Lawrence promo there about recipes for Lent? I may have told this story before, but obviously, if you were in, if you are a Catholic, and I am, you can't have meat on Fridays during Lent. Now it used to be they actually modified the rule. It used to be that all year you couldn't have meat on Friday. So my mother would make on Friday recipes a macaroni tuna. Salad, right? <laughs> My father was Methodist, <laughs> so for twenty something years, every Friday we always had this. Every Friday, 
And one night we sit down at the table on a Friday night, and my mother brings out the big bowl of macaroni tuna, and then, you know, she'd throw a vegetable like peas in there or something like that. And she puts it down. Right, my father scoops it out, puts it in his plate, looks at it, he goes, Barb, I'm sick of this crap. <laughs> no, for all we know, with my so father, are you, was, so are you and your brother staring at each other and saying, He crystallized our thoughts eloquently. <laughs> well, no. I, <laughs> My Past statute of limitations. You can bring that up now if you want. <laughs> My father was a quiet man, and he couldn't, for all we know, he was thinking that for 12 years. <laughs> and never said anything. <laughs> now, I'd like to admit that my brother and I did not sit there and laugh. <laughs> Later, we did. <laughs> but in that moment, we're like, oh, this isn't going well. <laughs> and with that, we bring in the head basketball coach at Bucknell, Nathan Davis. Coach, it's great to have you back with us. Thanks for having me on. I, I don't think I can top that story, though. <laughs> no. The best ones are the true ones. You know that. Absolutely. Uh, let's start with a truism. You are number one in the Patriot in adjusted defensive efficiency. What is it about your concepts that your players have really adapted to that it's allowed you to be efficient defensively? Well, I think that we have a versatile group this year, and so actually we've adapted a lot um, and, and adjusted a lot of stuff this year based on what our strength is. And we can put a number of guys out there that are that six four to six eight range, and so we've gone on to switch a lot more stuff. And I think our guys' communication and talking through things and playing things the way they're comfortable with has really uh, allowed them to flourish. Now the next part. Your offense has still continued to be efficient. You're well above one point uh, uh, per possession in terms of efficiency. What has your offensive efficiency meant to your defense because it's allowed you to set it up by scoring? Well, I think that it, it actually is one of those stats for offense that's been a little misleading. We've had some games that have been really good and some games that have been bad. And in league play, we haven't been as efficient as I would like. Um and frankly, our defense has allowed us to stay in games. Like this past weekend against Army, we were at like point six six points of possession in the first half. We we're only down six because of the way we were guarding. Um, but when we're certainly moving the ball and putting pressure on the other team's offense, it helps your defense out because there's a lot of pressure on them to score. And and I think you get a little more energy for that as well. Development also means something with players. Nate Sestina and Kimbrel McKenzie. What has their development meant to your success? Well, they're, they're obviously very, very good players, and, and I think that their strength is that they're both multiple-level scores and can hurt you in a number of different ways. And and their work ethic, their commitment to the team the last few years, um, they, in a lot of ways, offensively, despite being very talented with the other guys we had, had to kind of take a backseat. And to see them come on and, and really play well, I think, boosts uh, everyone's confidence in the program as far as what they're capable of doing as well. Yeah, because you and I both know that when you're taking a backseat to somebody else and then it's your your turn, not everybody steps up and makes the next step when they're the prime guy. That's why I'm I'm impressed by the fact that these guys took that next step. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. We we thought all along that they certainly were capable of it because they had shown glimpses before. But you never know when that's going to happen. Fortunately, with our non-league schedule, it happened early. <laughs> if it hadn't, we'd have been in a lot of trouble. But it, I thought it <laughs> exactly. happened early, and they kind of embraced it and allowed us to to put together some good wins. What does Avi Toomer meant to your success? When he plays well, a lot of times, as you can tell how we're playing by how he plays, when he plays a lot of energy and flying around and attacking the paint, um, being the versatile guy he is, I think he's he's one of those guys that he's probably not going to get you 20, um, but he can be a guy that can get you that 10 to 12 points. He can get you that five rebounds, six rebounds, five assists. He can guard your best player. He can the other team's best player at multiple spots. So he's a guy, when he's playing at a high level, we tend to be at our best. Then there's Jimmy Sotos. His assist rate has been outstanding for you this year. Has he been an extension of, of the bench for you on the floor? Yeah, I think he's getting there. I think that, it, and, and what's I think the most impressive thing about him is you, you look at him in the sophomore, like, well, he's been around for a year, but when we had Stephen Brown, he wasn't getting the opportunity to handle the ball, obviously, as much as he is now. And I thought early on he forced some stuff, just getting used to it, but he's adjusted nicely. And then he suffered an injury and missed about a week that he's, he's playing through now and got a little rusty, but um, he really does a great job of seeing the floor. I think he's got a good understanding for the game, and the more he plays, the better he's going to get. When you look at at uh, Nate Sestina and then you look at Bruce Moore, now sometimes two big guys don't work well together. How well do they work together? Well, I think they're very good because they have they both have multiple skill sets and they can play with their back to the basket. They can step out and shoot the ball. They can put the ball on the floor. Um, and then you add Bruce is athletic enough to guard multiple spots that, like offensively. Um, we can take advantage of some matchups based on, on what they, they do well. They can be in different spots, and you don't know where they're always going to be all the time, which certainly helps um, them be efficient. Every team ends up taking on its own personality, even when you have the even when you have the same personnel again. Now, obviously, your personnel has changed. You've now seen a full body of work. What is the personality of this team? I think this is a team that is – that's intense but has fun. I think a lot of it comes from our seniors and that they work hard, but they also have a lot of personality and enjoy life. And so I think this is a group that's kind of adopted that as well. You were able to get, uh, close out with the win at home over Army. Uh, was, it, was it important? Any game's important to win. I got that part. I think you know that. But was it important just to get a little momentum before the tournament started? <laughs> I think it's it's always better to go into a tournament feeling good about yourselves, and we have a lot to feel good about winning the coming in at least tied for first for the fifth year in a row. And I think it's like eight or nine in the last ten years means a lot. Um, going undefeated at home in the league play in the regular season meant a lot. Putting ourselves in a position we can win another one, we get to twenty twenty wins. I think all that all that matters, and you're, and you're always much better off going in with an edge, but also feeling good about yourself and what you've accomplished. All right, so now how would you assess the depth, the quality of depth in the Patriot this year based on what you saw? I think the the depth is the best it's been in the league. I think usually you would look back and you'd say, all right, there's these two or three teams that you know you're going to beat, and that's just not the case this year. I mean, we lost. One of the reasons we're not first is we lost at the 10th place team um, to, to late in the year. Um, that's not always been the case. Loyola, who finished ninth, has beaten people. I mean, Boston University finished eighth. We lost to them, and they beat some other people. So you go right down the list, and it's one of those things where everyone is good enough that even that if you don't play well, you're going to lose. And that's not always been the case. As a coach, I wish it was go back the other way, but for the league, yeah. it's better that way. Right? <laughs> It'd be great where you had this like, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> we're yeah, good. it's nice to look and say we got these three games, so you know you're going to get the six. 
Um, yeah. We don't have that right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's called the AFC East. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, the Patriots. We're going to start the year five and one. Okay, great. Correct. Yeah, uh, we don't have that. All right. Yeah, you don't have that anymore in the in the Patriot. Uh, what you've gone through this situation where obviously Nathan, uh, you get into the opening game, into your quarterfinal game, and you have to await the winner of another game. How do you, as a staff, handle that because it's not so cut and dried as to who it is? You know, I took a little bit different approach this year than we had the last couple of years, and the, yesterday, and then we're getting ready to go into practice today. Is we kind of split both practices in half and are spending time preparing for both. And then tonight, obviously, uh, so we'll know who won it. So tomorrow, we can just kind of review whichever one it is. The good thing with both of these teams, really, we've played them both in the last two and a half weeks, so it's not entirely unfamiliar. Um, it's relatively new, recently that we played them, so there's some memory of that. But we've tried to kind of approach where we can take the last two days and go and get after each other and really look at kind of what both teams do and then focus it down tomorrow when we know who it's going to be and just review what we've been going over. Obviously, for the last two and a half months, I've been watching nothing but Big Ten basketball, and 10 of the 14 teams in the Big Ten are in the bottom half of the country in pace. I mean, a lot of people don't realize Michigan's a slow team. Maryland's a, I mean, Maryland is a slow team. We all know Wisconsin right. is, obviously. Uh, that's not the case with your team. I mean, your team has been one of the top 50 in adjusted tempo all season long. What is that pace meant to, meant to how you want to play the game, and what are you doing to opposing teams because of that pace? Well, I think the the first thing it does is it puts pressure on the opponent all the time to guard. So from the second we get the ball until we take hopefully the shot we want, they've got to guard us. It's not that we don't mind going late in the clock, but we don't necessarily want to commit to going late in the clock. We want to give ourselves as many opportunities to get um, whether it's an open three, a layup, or a shot in line as possible. So we, we do that by trying to get the ball up the floor quickly and look for them. Um, if we can get one of those in the first six seconds, great. If it takes 26 seconds to get to it, that's fine too, but we just don't want to give you a chance to to kind of set up and relax and and, and catch a breath. We want to put constant pressure on you at that end to be to be focused. Otherwise, we'll, we'll we'll get some easy shots, and if we can get easy shots, we're probably going to win. Nathan, this time of the year, details mean so much. Every detail has a meaning to it at this time of the year. How detail-oriented has your team been this season? I think that at times, I think and everyone goes through the times we've been, we haven't been where we need to be with that. I think that I like what we've done the last couple of days and really focusing in on, on the on the little things. As was that Joe Gibbs that said, in order to be to win on any level, you've got to be obsessive about the fundamentals, the little things. And we've really tried to get back in the last few days to our angles for screens, our setting up screens, our, our spacing, our... Uh, our passing, our defensive communication, our positioning, all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, um, it's probably not going to be a play we call or anything like that. Everyone knows what everyone's doing. It's going to be about guys executing and making plays and reading and reacting to what's going on. And and to do that, you've got to be in the right position and do those things right. I, I assume that you're one of the teams at times that will run a weave up, up top, right? No, we don't. We, you're never going to see that. <laughs> no, not from you, huh? No, but there's some teams I see that run it. They, they get late in the year. Let's talk about the tails, and they'll run it flat. If they're running it flat, it's easy to guard. If you're running it at an angle, uh, you know, at angles, now it becomes hard to guard. That's that's the details we're talking about. Yeah, you know, we try to. We want every every pass, every cut, every screen we set, all that stuff to be a potential an opportunity to score. Um, so we're not going to do anything where we're trying to to really run clock or or set the next thing up. Certainly, it's going to set the next thing up, but if you don't, if you're doing, uh, if you're cutting through and you're not looking for the ball, right? 
it's not going to necessarily open up some other stuff. And so we, we work hard and, and talk a lot about how everything affects the next thing. And so you've got to do them right all the time. How many plays do you like to run, or is it more concepts that are important to you? We do a lot of concepts, so we really only run plays yeah. on, on dead balls when the defense yeah. is set. So we'll run maybe 10 or 12 a game, something like that. Um, but it's more concepts that we're, we're, we're looking for through the flow. Right. That's what I thought. All right. Hey, Nathan, thanks so much. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in the tournament. And uh, appreciate the time you gave us today. All right. Thanks a lot. Nathan Davis, head basketball coach at Bucknell. I believe they're play-by-play guys. Doug Birdsong, isn't it? The one and only, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I was talking to Doug, and I, I said, you know, what's what's basketball like? He says, there's just a freedom in the broadcast booth. I just don't feel in the fall. <laughs> as much as I love football. You can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know what he meant by that. Do you? Kind of. A little subliminal you, message thrown in. You, Sean, Kerry, are my <laughs> the problem is, I never got that on tape. <laughs> we still have a few games left in the year to make that happen. So, oh, he'll do that. Believe me. Oh, <laughs> believe me. The season is still young for the Duggar. That's right. As far as as far as we can tell, just he just just seems so free and happy. And he loves football as much as he loves basketball. What's the difference, Sean? Let's let's think about that for a moment, and we'll take a break as we continue on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. I think the part where I think we think they say root for the blue, I think it was root for the suit, isn't it? Sounds the same. Ray for the suit and the blue. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Former, uh, not former, current NBA commissioner Adam Silver. Very concerned about the mental health of his players. Silver told the ringers Bill Simmons during an hour-long panel discussion at the 13th annual MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference on Friday that a lot of these players are very unhappy. He says, and that really surprises me. Uh, He said, while the fans presume the players are hanging out and devising ambitious plans so that they can play on the same team, Silver stresses that's hardly the case. He said, I think it's... Less calculated than a lot of people think. The reality is that most players don't want to play together. They have enormous jealousy among players. In his observations and meetings with players, Silver said he has discovered there are pervasive feelings of loneliness and melancholy across the league. He said Michael Jordan's final season with the Bulls, he said, was a paragon. He said he no longer sees the high level of camaraderie or team building that once existed in previous years. If you're around a team in this day and age... There are always headphones on. He's right about that. The players are isolated, 
and they have their heads down. He's right about that, too. Uh, Part of this is, I think part of the root of this is the youth of the league. A lot of the stars come into this league, and when we're talking about the one and done, how many times have you heard me talk about, look, I understand what they're doing with the one and done thing here. I got that part. Uh, and And I've been saying, hey, okay, fine, then let them go out. And uh, uh, and go in at the age of 18. But how often have I told you that if I'm running the NBA, idealistically, I know it's not realistic, but idealistically, I want an older league. I want an older league. And I think if you have an older league, you don't have this this kind of problem. You're you're more mature. Okay, you're more you know if you're more mature, you're more settled in life. Uh, Silver emphasized these feelings are very real, even though the outside world might be skeptical because of the fame, the money, and the trappings that go with it. Uh, and, and it's true. You're going to find people that are going to see this and, or hear it and say, please, these guys are multimillionaires. Give me that problem, all right? Oh, come on. You know, you know, cry me a river on your problems. But, you know, a lot of these kids in the ages of 19 to 23 years of age, of which there are a lot of them in this league, Guess what? They don't have a lot of friends. They're kids. They're trying to compete with some of the older guys in the league. And some of the older guys, for example, may be married, have kids, they're more established, whatever. And guess what? They don't want you taking their job. He talks about the team building part. That's what's been interesting about Golden State. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry. Hey, you know, uh, Sean Livingston. They've all been together for a long time now. That's the kind of team building he's talking about. Right? Golden State's been, you know, now obviously they added in Kevin Durant, but remember, they put that team together. They drafted Thompson. They drafted Curry. They drafted in the second round Draymond Green. They signed and brought back Sean Livingston. They they picked up Andre Iguodala. They've kept that team together for a long time. That's a team. They're also more mature now. You know, Green, Livingston, uh, Curry, Thompson, they're all older players now. And how many times have you heard me say that it's the older teams that win in this league? You don't have young teams that win in this league. And he's talking about young players. Well, he's talking about the league being depressed. A lot of the league is young, and they are depressed. You know, they're. I mean, a lot of these players are lonely. They are. I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of the NBA is happens to be thirteen players, thirteen cabs. I know you're saying, "Hey, look at the money they make, cry me a river," but it's real. He's not, you know, I don't uh, I don't doubt what he's saying for a second. Neil Kulong, never lonely, always real. He'll join us in the next half hour. We'll talk about one of your favorite topics, Sean. Antonio Brown. Woo-hoo. Eight more days until the new NFL year begins. Tick, 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 tick. That means Antonio Brown, gone. 
You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. 